This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air. The Women's Refuge Program is proudly brought to you with funding from the Hastings District Council. You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is the Women's Refuge Program. It's our pleasure, as always, to have Julie in from the Hastings Women's Refuge. How are you going, Julie? I'm doing very well, thank you. Now, as we uh, record this program, we're currently sitting in Level 2. Places like Auckland are still in Level 4. Now, we have talked about um, COVID-level restrictions uh, and the refuge. Today, we're going to talk about a bit about that, but first of all, we're going to talk about um, why is there a Māori woman's refuge? Yes, I thought being September um, in Aotearoa, it's when Tawiki Te Reo Māori is held, Mm -hmm. and I thought that would be a good opportunity to talk about why there are two different kinds of women's refuges in Hawke's Bay. So the refuge I work for, Family VIP Services, we work across both Napier and Hastings. We're termed a general refuge. In Napier, we work with all ethnicities, and in Hastings, we predominantly work with Tawiwi families, so non-Māori mm-hmm. families. Uh, and what we do is we offer Māori whānau the choice of our services or the services of Te Whare Whānau Porutu Māori Women's Refuge, which is also based in Hastings. So Te Whare Whānau Porutu is a kaupapa Māori service. Kaupapa Māori refuges were established Back in the 90s, when the refuge movement recognised the value of services that were provided by Māori for Māori and the value that that adds to the community. The original provider in Hastings was Tangata Perena, which was established in around about 1991. And in 2015, it was relaunched in the community as Te Farifano Porutu. Um, and if you want to get some more specific information about them, they have a website at tewharifano.org. NZ. Um, but we often get asked, well, why is there mm. two refuges? What's the yeah, what's well, the difference? Yeah, what are the differences? Um, we get things like, isn't that separatism? Aren't you being racist? All, all those kinds of thoughts. Um, and growing up in, a, in an era where that's social discourse, everybody yeah. asks those <laughs> yeah. questions, thought it'd be quite a good opportunity to have a chat about why these things do occur through throughout the refuge movement. And I suppose that, well, it is it is a question worth you answering because at the end of the day, uh, you know, we always talk about well, we're all in the same boat together. We're all Kiwis, aren't we? So uh, you know, why shouldn't we just have one refuge twice the size and everyone comes along there? I mean, is it because of um, culture? Is it is it a culture thing that we? It literally is about yes. culture. Yeah. Um, so in the in the refuge was set up by uh, pretty much women's studies university. Mm women all those years ago in the 70s. So there was a lot of understanding around sexism, ageism, racism, anything that ends in ism, really. Yeah. Um, and so they put some work and some research into, um, for first and foremost, we're women. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you come from Hastings, Auckland, whether you're Māori, Tauiwi, whether you've originated from China or Japan, the basic thing that we have is we're all women. But when it comes to culture, we're brought up in different ways. Mm. So in my home, um, we were basically raised by a mother who was Irish, so we had our Irish culture. Yes. Now, if people are sitting there thinking, well, what's an Irish culture? Yes. One of the hardest questions for a Kiwi to answer. Yes, well, what a, is it? A Pākehā <laughs> Kiwi to answer <laughs> yes. is, what is your culture? We all go, I yeah. have no idea. No. Um, so my mother brought me up that you never, ever go to anybody's house empty-handed. Mm. That was the culture mm. of being Irish. 
you take your shoes off at the door um, unless they are to say to you, oh, don't bother, mm. bother about that, come on in. You knocked on the back door. You never knocked on the really? front door. It was all those things <laughs> that actually part of your it. culture. When somebody arrives at my house, the first thing I do is I welcome them. I offer them a seat. And the next thing I say is, would you like something to drink? Mm. Do you want a cup of tea? If it's around Kai time, um, would you like to stay for dinner? Would mm. you like some lunch? Whatever it might be. Those are actually all parts of our culture. And you're right. We don't think about it. No, we don't. We, we think of culture as performance. Performing yes. arts and yes, we do. things like that. I've never been able to do the Irish jig and never ever tried. <laughs> um, but we we all have different ways of doing things. And with Māori, they have very specific tikanga. So they have very specific rituals. Most of us might be aware of a marae when you go onto a marae. Yes. There's a process of welcoming you onto the marae. It's a very long-held process and I know for myself as a Pākehā woman, I get very nervous that mm. I say or do the wrong thing or stand in the wrong place. And that's out of respect of their sure. culture. And, of course, all I have to do is say, I'm not sure what to do. Somebody will take you under their wing and, and walk you through that process. So for me as a Pākehā woman, if I have a Māori woman come in, now she might have grown up in, in Havelock North with me and she might have gone to Lucknow School with mm. me. She might have... Rituals and cultures very similar to me. But when it comes to refuge, the woman walking through the door, she may have grown up in Ruatoria. Mm. She may have grown up in a very isolated rural area. And her her way of being will differ from mine. And it's just about having an understanding of what it is, what the culture is, what the norms are, and what I call the rituals of engagement. So, is it more of a spiritual type thing with Māori um Yes, it can be. We one thing I've had to learn over the years is that when you when when I work with a Māori woman, for example, I will ask her, um, "Is there anything that you need from me in the way of um, ritual engagement? Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like to say karakia before we begin? Anything like that?" One of the things I learned is that karakia and a religious prayer are two different mm. things. Now, sometimes they are based in religion, but sometimes they're not. They're based in nature Mm. and thanking Mother Earth and all those kinds of things. So quite easy to learn when you put your mind to it. But when it comes to being Māori, a Māori woman offering those services, she doesn't have to stop and think about it because she actually knows automatically. If they're Ngāti Kahanunu women, of course the refuge is a Ngāti Kahanunu refuge. It's going to be a very simple and easy process that people do without even stopping to think Sure. what they need to do. So it's just that level of comfort. So when was the Māori um, Women's Refuge established? How, how many, and, and was it established specifically for the reasons that you have just uh, mentioned? Yeah, so back, back in the 70s when Hastings Women's Refuge was created, it was a general refuge and Māori and um, Tauiwi working side by side. Then as the refuge movement started to identify the need for Māori women's refuges specifically, Hastings Refuge created a second caucus, a Māori caucus, mm. and they went on to establish Tangata Peringa in mm. 1991. So it's been in our community for a very long time. Um, and so within a Māori refuge also, all the governance of it is done by Māori. Mm. Um, the rulemaking, the policy development, it's all done by Māori. Now, I was brought up with an Irish mother that probably was more inclined to have the Scottish favour over the wallet. So when I write <laughs> yes. policies, they're very tight and yes. very, you know, um, very bullet-pointed as to how it might be. A Māori refuge might not 
have that kind of thing. Theirs would be a much more looser and fluid one, mm. perhaps. So our culture and our what we were brought up with and our beliefs, they go into everything we do. So when I write a policy, I write it based mm. on my Irish upbringing. Sure. Um, so it's things we don't really stop and think about, and yeah. that's why people will often say, well, why why is there a Māori Women's yeah. Refuge? Actually, when I start talking about it, they go, oh, of course, because I wouldn't want to go into refuge run by men. No, Because men's culture is different to women's culture. Sure. When Māori women um, knock on the door or call the refuge, and since the Māori Women's Refuge has been established for so long, are they specific saying, hey, look, I'd really like to go to the Māori Women's uh, Refuge rather than come to the general one? Yep, some people, so we have, um, we can both be reached by the 0800 mm-hmm. Refuge and you're prompted, if you want Māori Women's Refuge, press 1. Mm-hmm. If you want General Refuge, press 2. So often people can make the choice themselves at the beginning of the phone call. If a Māori woman comes through, I simply say to her that, do you know that we have a Māori Women's Service in Hastings? Mm-hmm. Would you like me to get them to make contact with you? It's a very simple process. Um, some people will say, oh, well, what's, what's the difference? and I can um, talk to them again about culture. Um, for example, the um, often with Māori Fano, the most comfortable night's sleep they can have is everybody pulls the mattresses out yes, into the lounge, indeed. and they all sit around as one big happy family enjoying that culture, that cultural way of being. In Hastings Refuge, you can't do that because you might have an Indian family, you mm. might have um, a migrant family from the Philippines who have different culture and so for them it's tapu to to yes. share that sleeping space with other people. Um, so often Māori women, a lot of times they say, no, no, I am happy to receive service from, from whomever, yeah. um, but we always make that offer and a lot of the Māori women do take the offer up. They also then realise that actually auntie works there and yes. I'd really like Yes. Auntie to help me, but then you'll have some who go, "Oh, but Auntie works there, and I don't want Auntie to know." No, and that's fine. That's yeah. that's Katipai. We'll we'll bring you into the general refuge. And I suppose there's also perhaps more of a feeling of being at home. Absolutely, it looks familiar. Um, one of the things because the general refuge is for all ethnicities, which I don't know, there's 190 something odd countries in the world. Yes. I think we could never make the environment fit 191 different cultures. Um, where Māori Women's Refuge, which is predominantly providing services to Māori, can absolutely make it yeah. feel like home. I was going to say that um, that point that you raise, that you, all these different uh, cultures within our society, that possibly being out of the Māori Women's Refuge is much more relaxed because yes. you haven't got all these other uh, cultures to consider. Yeah, and that, like we have, we've had little upsets um, when we have had families from different cultures and ethnicities within the um, Hastings Safe House, for some people you never, ever, ever put underwear and tea towels in the same bucket or mm. in the same washing machine. Mm. Um, that's a very strong belief with Māori, but it's also a belief with other cultures mm. as well. Um, that actually will cause more upset in yeah. the house when mm. somebody discovers the tea towels mm, are the soaking in the, in the bucket w- along with um, personalised underwear. Yes. So it's just those little things, and it eliminates all that concern um, when you have services by Māori for Māori. I wonder with such a, or maybe a more pronounced, uh, relaxed way of approaching things at the Māori Women's Refuge, does that mean that the stays might even be shorter because... 
Um, it can be, but also one of the things with Māori Women's Refuge, in that Māori are very much into whānau. Now, whānau is more than um, Mr. Mrs. and children. Mm-hmm. Whānau is Mr. Mrs. and children, aunties, uncles, cousins, um, the wider hapu and iwi. And they are more inclined to work with that entire circle of whānau, mm. where in general refuge, um, it's kind of our default setting to work with the very close family members. Mm. Um, things when people... I found years ago a woman who she didn't want to ask me because I was Pākehā, but the only way she could get solace was actually to go out to the Urupā, to mm. the to the um, cemetery, and spend time with her grandmother at her plot. But she didn't want to ask me because she thought because I was Pākehā, I would think that's weird and strange and wouldn't wouldn't mm. understand it. Mm. So it just eliminates all those things. And I suppose from a, an outsider's uh, point of view, looking in, I mean, I, I wouldn't have even thought about that. But there you are on the inside, and possibly you would never have thought that either. No, and I have learnt like the richness of what I know about cultures now after all my years in refuge. Um, it, it's one of my favourite things that I have learnt over the years. I remember, as a very young worker at the refuge, I was working with a Pacific woman, um, young woman, and she had a, a wee baby. And I went in and met her for the first time. And so when I went to talk with her, um, we were started off standing. Mm. And she was um, she sat down. And I thought, oh, okay, she must prefer to sit down. So I sat down. She got off the chair and she sat on the ground. And then I thought, oh, oh, she's obviously much more comfortable if we sit on the ground. I got down on the ground. She lay on the ground. Mm. And then she said, Julie, you need to stop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I said, oh, how are you more comfortable? She said, no, it's not about that in my culture. To show you respect, I have to be lower than you. Oh, wow! And that was a, it. Was an, I was very embarrassed. Mm. Um, she explained it to me. We had a bit of a giggle about it, but it was one of the best learnings I could ever have had because it never happened to me twice. No, I suppose yeah. that is a learning curve. And uh, also, I suppose we we do need to be very culturally sensitive about well about everyone who comes through the refuge in life because you know they all have their ways of doing things that we don't understand. Yeah, and I, I'm in my 50s now, I hate to admit it, but I am. And when I grew up, there was Pākehā and there was Māori. Mm. Um, I don't remember there being any other ethnicities in my neighbourhood. Um, when I sort of got to my teens and early 20s, then the Asian migration began. Mm. So I got to learn about um, Chinese and Japanese and others. And then since that, you know, over the last 30 years, it's just an absolute melting pot of culture, and if you take the time to learn and enjoy it, it just enriches oh, us very much. Absolutely. I remember once I went to London, I must mean about 10 or 12 years ago, and my wife and I, we were in London for, I might be slightly exaggerating, but for 24 hours before we met what you might call a true blue palm. Yep. And we just said, wow, is this fantastic or what? There was every culture that you can imagine in the world in a block. Yeah. And even the Wiggles have got on board with culture. <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> So from a, a user's point of view, um, I suppose uh, at the end of the day, if your, um, if your refuge is full, that um, anyone could go to the Māori Women's Refuge as well. Is, would they notice much of a difference walking through that? Would it be that markedly so different? So our, our services pretty much are the same. It's just mm. how we deliver those yes. services that might look different. 
Um, at the moment, the Māori Women's Refuge isn't running women's or children's programs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's due, often due to lack of human resources because yep. recruitment at the moment is just an absolute nightmare and has I'll been for about 18 yes, months. Yes. Um, but they provide the exact same services, a roof over your head and a safe house if that's what you need, community support if that's what you need. They have the National Home Safety Service alarms to install in houses, all those things you've heard me talk about yes. over this time, they have all those services as well. Now, like I said a bit earlier, uh, as we record this program, we're currently in Hawke's Bay and uh, sort of like a, an extended version of COVID Level 2. Have you been flat out? I mean, are you full? Well, last year, 2020, with the COVID and we didn't know what we were doing and you were suddenly plunged in Level 4, what we found is that our phones went very silent because women couldn't ring mm. because they were in the home with the abuser. They understood that if you left the house, you could be arrested for breaching mm. COVID rules. Those normal excuses you would have to get out of the house, like I'm just taking the children to the supermarket, you couldn't use because they knew you couldn't take the kids yeah. to the supermarket. So we've spent the last 12 months educating people that the police are not going to arrest you. You are not going to be fined or charged. They will help you get to a place of safety. Thankfully, it's paid off this time around under lockdown. Mm-hmm. We've continued to, we admitted um, over that period, 11 mothers and off the top of my head, I, uh, sorry, seven mothers and mm. 11 children um, came in. We couldn't use the safe houses, so we utilised the empty motels because there's yeah, no tourists. That's true. So the motelier was very happy to say, yes, of course, and look, here's just a bunch of keys, and if you've got to come in at 3 o'clock in the morning, you just do it. How good is which that? Which was fantastic. We often talk about statistics, and uh, you know, I always say to you, is there light at the end of the tunnel? Is it getting any better, or is it just business as usual for you? Um, it's business as usual. It has been busier for us since we came out of uh, Level 4 2020. Uh, and that hasn't eased off at all. I don't predict there'll be another spike this time around mm. because of that messaging has gotten through, which is great. Um, but of course, whilst we are forever wiping our brow going, gosh, we're busy, um, we appreciate being busy because that means people are reaching out and they're asking for help. Yeah. I suppose the answer to uh, all your problems is uh, like a generational answer. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, but someone listening to this program right now who might be... A, a man who is prone to violence, what, what, what might you suggest to him that he could do for help? Yep, reach out for help. Talk to a brother, a cousin, your boss at work, um, your nan, whoever, whoever you trust mm. to have the conversation with and just say, look, I'm struggling, I'm not doing the right thing, I need to find a better way to do things. If that person doesn't listen, find the next mm. person. There are a lot of men's helplines um, there is, I, I don't have the numbers on me, but there's Man Up, mm-hmm. there is She Is Not My Rehab, there's Dove Hawks Bay locally who work with um, stopping violence programs, etc. There is help out there. You just need to be willing to put your hand up and say, I want to be a better father, I want to be a better husband, I want to be a better man. And someone who is being abused, I mean, I might even be a relation to someone who is being abused, what, what bit of advice might you give to someone who's in trouble? Um, so if it's an emergency, of course, dial 111. Um, but Refuge is not the only organisation in the country and in, in our community. But if you call us and you don't think we're the one you're after, mm-hmm. that's easy as we can refer you to the organisation that will be the best one to help you. And if you Google domestic, uh, domestic violence, family violence, family harm, Hawke's Bay, 
you will find um, dozens and dozens of organisations that will come up. And if you're wanting us, of course, it's 0800 Refuge. And the great thing about your service is that there's no waiting list. You're not going to say to someone, well, hey, look, we might have a place Tuesday week. Exactly. So um, somebody who needs to get to a safe place straight away, um, we aim to always be, if you need to leave a message, which you shouldn't have to, but every now and again, of course, two phone calls mm-hmm, yes. come in at once. Uh, if you end up having to leave a message, we aim to return calls within the hour. Um, and remembering if you need to get out, it's a one 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 call. Yes. Uh, but no, we, we never say, well, look, we're going to have to put you on our waiting list, and it may be about six weeks. Mm. That doesn't happen no. with Refuge. Good on, Julie, just before I let you get back to work, because I know you're flat out, uh, just to remind our listeners, if we want to get in touch with the Refuge uh, for any reason whatsoever, but particularly for help, how do we do that? So for both us, Family, Vi- uh, family VIP Services, or Te Whare Whānau Porutu, it's 0800 Refuge. As always, my pleasure, Julie. You look after yourself. We'll talk to you same time, same place next time. Cheers. Children smile and say, We 
is a step along the way. Every wrong done is a game plan to that great and joyful day. This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air.